Welcome to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin Casso, travel and brand photographer and the founder of Caitlin Casso Creations, where I share other women's stories through my photographs and now this podcast. Inspired by Her Story is a podcast dedicated to inspiring, motivating, encouraging, and empowering women to get out of their comfort zones and follow their dreams. Whether it's owning their own business, experiencing something new, or making a major life change, I want to encourage other women to follow their dreams and live their lives to the fullest. Throughout this podcast, I will be sharing my own stories and those of inspirational women with hopes to let souls connect and adventures to unwind. Follow along as I take you with me during my travels, experiences, and encounters with these amazing women. Have you been wanting to start your own podcast but don't know where to begin? Do you feel like you have a message you want to share with the world and want to show up professionally? Well, I have just the thing for you. I recently launched my How to Create a Podcast course where you can learn everything from creating podcasts and episode topics, naming a podcast and its episodes, recording, editing, and uploading and distributing, as well as two bonus topics of marketing a podcast and finding guests. Whoa, literally, this is everything I wish I had before I started a podcast. That's why I decided to create this course so I could give others, like yourself, the opportunity to learn everything you need to know about starting a podcast all in one place. Long gone are the days of searching through a million articles in order to launch your podcast. I'll take you behind the scenes so you can see everything I do each week while putting my Inspired by Her Story podcast together. So click the link in the show notes or go to CaitlinCasso.com and click on courses to find out more. Today on Inspired by Her Story is Sari Miller. Sari is a healer and transformation guide serving the purpose of rewilding humanity. She has lived a life off the beaten path and her unique perspective builds on her skill set to create breakthrough transformations for those who desire a truly extraordinary existence. Rewilding is a one-on-one, trauma-informed, somatically integrated transformation journey where Sari helps you free your true authentic self from the stuck patterns of your life. During this episode, Sari talks more about how growing up with epilepsy led her to living the not-so-normal lifestyle. I I was born with epilepsy. Um, I'll start there. My early childhood experience was very much of being like a black sheep an outcast, um, specifically the word uh, normal haunted me a lot as a kid. I I wasn't even medically and officially speaking, I was not normal. Um, And this for me was the cause of great concern. You know, I, all you want is to like be like everyone else and be accepted by everyone when you're that little. And for me being epileptic, especially, but but also a little later on being very rebellious uh, against a conservative hometown meant that normal was really not in my path. How she chose to live off the grid. And I ended up traveling to sort of wherever the universe wanted me to go. It was like, oh, does a human say to go here? Yeah, sure, why not? You know, I followed music festivals. I, um, I, I really just paid attention to the seasons and and the flow. This eventually led me to become a whitewater raft guide, a snowboard instructor, like 
I, I fell deeply into nature and I took that natural wonder, that experience of being embraced by mother nature. I took that and I, and I ran with it all the way to off-grid living. And how choosing brain surgery became her dark night of the soul. I look back now on this moment as being one of my dark nights of the soul where I experienced a type of ego death because I had to reconcile the loss of my, the potential, not even sure, but the potential loss of my identity as an epileptic person. Let's hear more about her journey. Welcome to the podcast, Siri. Thank you, Caitlin. It's great to be here. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm so happy to have you on here. We already just had an amazing conversation. Like, I'm sure I'm going to want to use some of what we said for the podcast too, because it was so good. So I already feel like this episode is going to be amazing, full of amazing golden nuggets. So I'm ready to jump in. So if you want to share with everybody a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yes, absolutely. So my name is Sari Miller. I'm a transformation guide and an intuitive healer. Um, I work on catalyzing powerful exponential change for highly functional individuals. So for me, that means that I integrate the unconscious mind, the body, the, you know, the spirit really into transformation in order to really create radical growth towards whatever it is that your goals are. Right now, I'm focusing on helping specifically empaths and highly sensitive people, of which I am both, uh, dealing with all of the extra that comes in from being that. So I'm really focused on helping people embrace their superpowers, embrace their their healing abilities, their service-oriented abilities, and, and step into their full purpose without fear or shame or guilt. Those are the magic killers. Yeah, definitely. And before I even get into the next question, I'd love for you to explain a little bit more about maybe what an empath is or who an empath can be, because I know that term can get kind of thrown out there a lot and there might be some people that don't really know what it actually is. Great question, Caitlin. And you know, you're right. That's not something that I explain very often. So I would love to explain what an empath is. So there are many, many different ways to look at an empath. And I have a very shamanic perspective, which is that An empath is someone who is on this planet to receive and change the energy in the room. So that word there is transmute. An empath's experience, though, is as though they are feeling the feelings of other people around them. Sometimes this includes like clairvoyant experiences, thinking thoughts that aren't really yours. The empath experience can vary on whatever sense you receive that information from, but the overwhelming experience is of literally having someone else's experience in your body in some way. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for explaining that because I've, I've done my own like little bits of research into it. And I feel like the way you explained it was so much easier to understand than when I've looked into it myself. (laughs) 
they there's on the internet there's all this clickbait that's like seven signs you know you're an empath yes. and mm-hmm. and those things are like three levels removed i knew i was an empath because i was having the experience of thinking and feeling things about my own self that really weren't coming from within inside me mm-hmm. i made up that word with inside me <laughs> it's okay We're, you can do whatever you want <laughs> this is our podcast right now you could say whatever you want <laughs> yeah it's a good word i'm keeping it <laughs> <laughs> and so now can you share with us a little bit more about your journey and how it is that you got to where you are today uh, yes. So I will, I will say this is the one thing that I actually wrote notes about. And the reason for that is because my journey has been long <laughs> and winding. Um, as I think most, most of us in general uh, that, ever, that ever get to a place of healing and success have come down it through a spiral. And that's how I like to imagine my path on life. It's not so much linear as it is a spiral. You keep sort of coming back to the same places. And if you're not paying enough attention, you might think you're right where you had started when actually you're a level deeper. Um, So I I was born with epilepsy. Um, I'll start there. My early childhood experience was very much of being like a black sheep, an outcast. Um, Specifically the word uh, normal haunted me a lot as a kid. I, I wasn't even medically and officially speaking, I was not normal. Um, and this for me was the cause of great concern. You know, I, all you want is to like be like everyone else and be accepted by everyone when you're that little. And for me being epileptic, especially, but, but also a little later on being very rebellious, uh, against a conservative hometown meant that normal was really not in my path. Like it just was never going to be an experience that I had. So um, I, I had that question posed to me. Uh, the question posed to me was by my stepfather. He was a paraplegic man who had an electric wheelchair and on the back of his wheelchair, he had a bumper sticker and that bumper sticker said, why be normal? I was 11. I remember this moment specifically, and I bring it up now because this was like the catalyzing moment of, oh, I don't have to feel confined by all of these other expectations of what normal is. I, someone that I respect and care about has just given me permission to be weird, which I was, I was very weird. Um, so to, to try to tell this story in a linear way, I'll put it like this. My childhood was a lot of trauma, both from family dynamics, as well as from having uncontrolled seizures. I lived in a very strange place between life and death for a huge chunk of my life. My first experience of passion was for adventure and fantasy and magic and awe. Um, moving, Moving forward, my own independence took me away from home very young. Uh, My, raised in this very conservative town, my mother, she had some very specific social expectations for who I was going to look like and how I was going to behave and who I was going to become. So 
I had the experience of, you know, as like teenagers will, I was very, uh, very self-focused and narcissistic at this exact moment in time, but I very much had the experience of being like, okay, you want me to be this way? I'm done. And I left. Um, and, and that leaving led me to two years of what I'll call intermittent homelessness. <laughs> Um, I, I'd slept, I was actually homeless for a chunk of that sleeping in train stations and under bridges. Uh, but I also ended up with a ton of angels who let me sleep on their couches, or I set up like a twin, an old twin mattress on someone's floor for a very long time. They put a curtain around the mattress. So I had some privacy. I spent the last two years of high school in this strange interim state. Um, all on the premise of taking myself to college. So I went to college, I was a philosophy religion major, and I was deeply, deeply interested and impacted by um, sociology and anthropology. As an empath, and I had known I was an empath since a very young age, as an empath, my, you know, curiosity about other humans was huge. It still is huge. Like still to this day, when I look at other humans, it's huge. And, and when I went to school, that was really my biggest focus was on understanding, you know, sociologically understanding humans and culture. Um, I had an hour and a half long seizure in college. So um, they call that status epilepticus. And who and actually just talking about it brings up some uncomfortable feelings in my body. It's a very traumatic experience. They say that uh, something like every eight seconds you are having a seizure is like running a mile. So uh, imagining, you know, more than 90 minutes of it, I woke up and my life changed. Like from one moment to the next, my life changed. I was paralyzed, uh, not permanently, but, you know, momentarily, completely incapacitated. My, my mouth didn't work. I couldn't walk. I was naked and alone at, on the floor of like a college style apartment. And, and I couldn't even like cry for help. I, in that experience, I literally accepted and embraced death and went towards, you know, towards that, that interconnected love-like thing and had that moment of, no, it's not right now. And I came back out of this seizure and my whole life changed forever. Um, I left school quickly and, you know, ostensibly was supposed to be getting help for my seizures, but <laughs> that wasn't something I was great at then. So instead I took something like three months of recovery time and ended up going off and traveling the world. That's like, that sounds obscene. That sounds like a plot line for a, for a book. Like, oh, went off and traveled the world. But actually, that's pretty much what I did. I, um, I had really become unhinged from all of the things that I knew and wasn't sad about it. <laughs> I, I had, I had been on a few road trips. Um, I'm from South Louisiana originally. So very, um, very particular culture, Cajun culture, conservative culture, and I had the dream first of going to California. So I had taken my first cross-country road trip that first summer after college, and 
fallen in love. Uh, I spent three months living in a redwood tree and, and just uh, absolutely in awe of the Pacific Northwest and, and these gods on earth that are trees, you know, like I had felt like I was really seeing nature for the first time, even though South Louisiana is full of a whole different kind of nature. Um, so after, after the seizure, I fell into that. I fell into that really hard, actually. I, I moved to the mountains um, and I, I had this comfort zone with, you know, being homeless and being self-sufficient. It's something that I had done for a long time. So I just kind of fell back on that. And I ended up traveling to sort of wherever the universe wanted me to go. It was like, oh, does a human say to go here? Yeah, sure, why not? You know, I followed music festivals. I, um, I, I really just paid attention to the seasons and, and the flow. This eventually led me to become a whitewater raft guide, a snowboard instructor. Like I, I fell deeply into nature and I took that natural wonder, that experience of being embraced by mother nature. I took that and I, and I ran with it all the way to off-grid living. I ran with it all the way to Alaska and the Yukon and, and trying to live outside of what I felt was deeply expected of me to be normal. And that, that experience is, is really like what took me where I am today. Uh, today, I have re-entered society, my own perspective, yes. Mm -hmm. um, I've re-entered society with the intention of embracing my full, my full healing powers and also giving back. Um, I had a lot of help along the way and I feel deeply called to help others heal from their personal traumas, but also to uh, help facilitate some radical change in the culture and society that we live in today. You know, this thing that I kind of desperately felt the need to escape back, back when I was 18 years old, this thing I called Babylon, that thing I now know is something that I am, I am, and also am a part of, and can really have a dramatic impact on if, as long as I show up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your whole story with all of us. I truly appreciate it. And I remember when we first talked, I said to you, you know, I asked you, are you willing to be vulnerable? You know, I find that to be so important because a lot of the times when I meet people and I hear their stories, they have this powerful story that inspires me instantly. And I'm like, I want them to share this with the world because I know they're going to inspire everyone as well. And sometimes we get on the podcast and they hold back a little still, you know, they don't completely share everything that they shared with me and I'm not going to poke and pry. I always say like, whatever you feel comfortable saying, I'll have you say. So I want to just especially say that I appreciate you sharing your whole journey with everyone, because I know that it's really going to inspire so many people. It, it inspires me and especially the fact of seeing you know, you making your life, your life, 
You know what I mean? Like rather than feeling like you have to, yeah, like follow society and, you know, things that were, you were told at a young age, like this is who you have to be and who, like what you should do. Instead, you realized even from a young age, like this is what I want to do and what I want to make out of my life. And I don't need to be your normal kind of person, you know, what everybody expects of you. So I find that really inspiring. Oh, so true. So true. You know, I feel this is uh, a place, something I want to imbue right here is something that was really inspiring for me in all of that was books. Mm. I still, to this day, am a big reader. Um, and at the time, I I really had this sensation of like wanting to live out the fantasy novels that I read and the adventure stories that I read, especially the ones with these powerful heroines, you know, that were bucking the norms, bucking the stereotypes for, for whatever their role was as a woman then. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and when I look at, especially some of those early courageous choices, like leaving home, you know, that's a really insane thing for a 16 year old to do. And you, it requires a certain level of self-delusion, like believing that, you know, it's going to be a certain way when really, of course, it's, it's going to be harder than you anticipate. (laughs) But, but what, what really like was that jumping off block was like, gosh, you know, I want to be like Alana from Tamora Pierce's books, you know, I want to, I want to be that inspiring heroine, I want to live that adventurous life, and I'm certainly not going to do it right here in South Louisiana, and I'm certainly not going to do it if I don't take some kind of radical action. Mm-hmm. I love that, because as you're saying that, I'm even thinking about, you know, I feel like a big part of why I've made big decisions in my life is because I would look to other people and be like, I want to do that. I want to be that, or I want to make the steps that they made, you know, not the exact steps, but seeing that somebody put this time and work and effort into something and how they were able to make it their own. It inspired me to be able to do that as well. So I love that you shared that because I find inspiration obviously (laughs) so important for people. Yeah, absolutely. Going back to the the conversation we had, I guess, technically right before this, but uh, about representation, you know, having something that you can imagine that you can visualize that that is there in front of you that feels like, you know, why not me? Why can't that be me? Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. I love that. And I'd love to talk even more to the fact about your travels as well, because I I also love traveling myself and it's a big part of me. Um, So how do you feel like traveling the world and living off the grid has really helped you get to where you are today? Well, um, so I... There's a whole bunch of different answers for this. Uh, and, And you can look at it in so many different ways. But the one that I feel like is really the most poignant, the one I want to start with, is when you leave your culture, whatever that culture is, I'll back up just one more second, actually, because your culture has a certain way of doing everything. There's etiquette, there's a way of speaking, there's normal body language. Uh, You know, your culture has a certain kind of dish soap that you use, a grocery store that you get things from. Like you have like a little mini culture that is just your family and then a culture that is your city and then a culture that is your state if you're in America. Uh, 
out stepping outside of that culture, all of a sudden you look at things that you took for granted that you never, ever, ever questioned that you just assumed were the way they were and were that way for everyone. And you go, whoa, someone else, you know, we're someone else picked a different way, innovated a different method. And, and for me, living off the grid and the more that I would see it, the more that I would see the incredible, powerful innovation that humans have to just look at a problem and solve it for themselves. The more I understood, first of all, the more I understood us as animals, and, and I mean that in like a really, in a, in a kind way, uh, we get very caught up in being a civilization and being a part of something, but we are social creatures, yes, but we're actually just animals on this planet, which means that we are deeply, deeply designed to coexist with nature. Uh, I, I feel like I had been taught to fear nature in a big way, and I, and I had been taught to fear nature and to fear my own nature. And seeing all these other cultures helped me grok really clearly like wow we're animals and we we there are a million different ways to do it and there's not really a right one uh you know all of this this idea of things being right or wrong or good or bad inside of of this most of those are contextual so for me that was really the biggest the biggest lesson from traveling and experiencing all of these different places mm-hmm. Do you feel like you were able to connect to yourself more because of it? Absolutely. So the the other part of traveling and and gaining new experiences in general is it's this is like this is how we grow as humans. You know, we start off and we're this big and with every new experience we get, we just grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And so every every one of these new experiences that I've had um, have helped me grow bigger and bigger, but have also, you know, through that vastness, it's given me a sense of incredible tolerance, non-judgment, radical acceptance, uh, non-attachment, really. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to sort of look and watch what's happening to your life or to someone else's and, and neither reject nor cling to whatever that might be and just go with it. Yeah, I love that. And I love the fact that you even said about how it seems like we're almost taught to be afraid of nature. And so I'd like to touch on that too. After you said that, I was thinking, do you feel like it has something to do with the fact that us as humans, like when we're in nature, like especially deep in nature, maybe it's a sense of control that we feel like we're lacking as to maybe why we're kind of almost taught to be more afraid of it. Cause I know before I started, I used to, I'm like, I love hiking now. And before like back in high school and stuff, I wasn't really a big hiker. And I was, I remember literally saying these words of, I don't understand why people want to be in nature. Like I just, I'm just not drawn to it. Like now I'm total opposite. And to me, it was a big part of it was that I was scared of things because I was afraid that if I was going to go hiking, a snake was going to come out and like, maybe it would harm me or another animal, or I would trip and fall or slide, you know, like all these things that I was afraid of happening while I was in there. 
So I think instead of the word control, I think the word that I would use is comfort. Mm. Uh, the the very nature of the human brain is to is to seek what's comfortable, mm-hmm. uh, not not even necessarily what's easy or what's joyful or what's happy, but what's comfortable. And I I don't know that it started here. I don't know that's why we've all sort of ended up afraid of nature. But I do think that now you know growing up in a box, literally speaking with that's inside of a bigger box, which is like your town or your city, there is definitely the experience of nature being outside of the comfort zone that you literally are having to step out of the familiar in order to, to step into nature. I don't think that's uh, natural. (laughs) So, so like, I'll go a step farther and say that, that, you know, the, the control side of this, um, I really think that if you were if you were born somewhere very close and connected to nature, you would there would still be some fear around nature, but but it would be your comfort zone to live mm-hmm. in that fear, to live in that place where things can come at you from unexpected places, right? Mm-hmm. Um, as that's just our survival brain as humans, especially we have no shell, no fur. We're very, we're very vulnerable in Mm -hmm. that sense. Um, Yeah. And I liked how before you mentioned too about like growth also, and it makes me think of how once I, once I started really like going back into getting into hiking and doing harder hikes and stuff, whenever I would, you know, accomplish something like hiking Mount Washington or something like that in the end, you know, I'm so sore and tired and drained. Like I remember when me and my friends did it, we literally had one mile left and we had to take a break and like eat and drink. And we were just like, we just, I don't care if there's only one mile left, we need to like take a break here. And after doing that though, you know, I feel so accomplished and it's like taking on a new challenge, you know, in the end that you're going to grow even more. And once you accomplish that, it's like, okay, what's next? Like, I can't believe I just put myself through that and I am like, I made it. Okay. So now what's next? What else is out there? What other opportunities do I have that can help me continue to grow too? You literally step onto a horizon line and all of a sudden you can see more out there. Uh, that experience is universal for all obstacles that seem impossible, right? So for for anyone who's listening who's not a nature lover, this can be accomplished this same sense, this incredible sense of like gratitude and joy and expansion. This is something that can be accomplished with exercise, for example. Um, you know, lifting weights, it, it pretty much, you know, any goal that you set for yourself that that really seems impossible, if you can take that on one step at a time, just like you do the hike, take it on one step at a time, you get to the top and all of a sudden you go, wow, look at everything else that's actually possible. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't even see it until I got to the top of this thing. Yeah, it's so true. You can think about that for anything that you're trying to accomplish in life, in your business, whatever it might be. I love it. We'll be back with our guest in just a minute. But first, let's hear a quick message from our sponsors.
Are you a business owner who's having a hard time attracting your ideal clients? Are you feeling overwhelmed and have no idea where to start when it comes to marketing? Are you tired of taking photos for your business with your cell phone? That's why I put together my brand strategy and photography program. This is for entrepreneurs who are ready to take their brands to the next level while attracting their soul clients. That's right, your soul clients. As a marketer and photographer, I help my clients find clarity within their brand, create strategic messaging, and help them represent their brands in the best light possible. This 12-week program does not just help you build your dream brand, but it also provides you with a whole collection of photos to support your marketing. So what are you waiting for? Let me help you feel confident in yourself and your brand. Head over to CaitlinCasso.com or send me an email at hello at CaitlinCasso.com and we'll get you started. And now back to the episode. And now something else that I wanted to talk about too is the fact that you decided to also choose to have brain surgery as well. And so I love obviously talking about the uncomfortable situations as well. So I would love to hear, you know, how you felt when you made that decision to have brain surgery. Yeah. So um, I'm realizing that I left that out of my main story. So I'll offer just a little bit of context here, which is that, um, I continued having uncontrolled seizures, um, traveling the world. I, yes, I became a whitewater raft guide. I was still having seizures while I was sleeping. I then went on to become a a dog sled trainer, um, sled dog trainer. There you go. (laughs) And, uh, and I was living in the Yukon for a short period of time when I needed a refill on my epilepsy medication that was not working. And, for the first time in my entire life, I think I was 23. For the first time in my entire life, a doctor sat down in a room with me for more than 15 minutes. In fact, he sat down with me by the end, it was almost two hours. Mm-hmm. Um, I stayed there till seven o'clock at night. I thought I was going in to just get a refill on my drugs and be done. I didn't, uh, I didn't enjoy the allopathic medicine system. It had not served me very well. And I wasn't excited about this appointment, but this doctor, changed my life because he sat down and said, this is not okay. Um, he wa- he didn't want to just give me my pills. He wanted to know how, what kinds of seizures I was having, how often, what my experience was like, whether I liked the drugs I was on, which I did not. They were having horrible side effects. He cared about all of these things. And at the end of our appointment, he said, you know, one seizure a month, two seizures a month, which is what I was having right then. He said that you could do better. Uh, the, with the state of technology in the world today, you should be able to be seizure free. And especially on the amount of drugs that you're on, like this is not acceptable and you have more work to do. Um, he filled my prescription and he was like, I can't, you know, you live in the United States, not in Canada. I can't really do much more, but I'm just urging you to go do something about it. And when I moved to Alaska, I I listened uh, and I started going down the path that would eventually lead me to brain surgery. I I got treated at an actual uh, really well nationally certified epilepsy center, Swedish Epilepsy Center in Seattle. 
and their technology was able to see that I had a cortical dysplasia in my brain, uh, a growth of migrational cells, it's kind of like a tumor about the size of a golf ball that is serving as an obstacle for my neural pathways. So this indicator led the doctors to believe that surgery might cure it. Um, to get to your actual question, what did it feel like to make the decision to have brain surgery? I'll be honest in saying that a huge chunk of it was very, very surreal. Like there was, it was a two year process of going on pretty much every epilepsy medication known to man. And that experience was, I, I don't even have a word that's bad enough. Um, you know, it was, it was two years of drugs uh, bringing me up to 15 seizures a day at points. I have huge chunks of time that are just missing weird, weird, surreal, dreamlike memories of, of being in and out of seizures and, and having a strange perception of what reality was. Um, I started to have all sorts of other problems with my body from all of the drugs. And it was severe enough that by the time we got to that moment of like, okay, we're scheduling the surgery, you know, for three months from now, we're scheduling the surgery. It was like, oh, wow. I don't know that I ever really believed that all this work and all this effort and all this trauma was ever going to lead to a result. Mm. And in that three months between, you know, okay, we're ready to schedule and actually having the surgery, I pretty much had to re-reconcile my entire identity. Um, I, look, I look back now, um, if you're familiar with the term dark night of the soul, I look back now on this moment as being one of my dark nights of the soul where I experienced a type of ego death because I had to reconcile the loss of my, the potential, not even sure, but the potential loss of my identity as an epileptic person, as, which meant also reconciling the loss of my identity as a victim and as a, as a disabled person. And I, I mean, I remember saying to my husband at the time, I, I said to him, you know, what am I gonna do when I don't have this thing that I've had to overcome that makes me feel good about myself for having overcome, you know, like everything I had accomplished in life until that moment had been something that I could say, yeah, I did this and it's incredible, but it's even more incredible because I did it while having seizures, you know? Um, it had been such a powerful excuse for me to not reach my full potential, to not also PS work a full-time job or buy into the American system. Um, my epilepsy had done a lot to help me feel special, uh, victimized, and, and in debt to something else. Uh, it, it had done a lot to keep me from having to own my personal power. And sorry, I've got, there's some emotions traveling through my face right now. Um, and so that moment that I, that three months it did, and it took about that whole three months, that three months, it's like I went through a whole grieving process where, where part of me was like, no way, you can't do this sister. Like you're going to have to keep the epilepsy because, because that's just who you are. And I, and I questioned, you know, I questioned my seizures being my connection to godliness. 
you know, I was like, what if I, what if I don't feel connected to magic anymore without, without being in a space between life and death all the time? Uh, you know, what's going to happen when I don't have the crutch of being on disability? How am I going to live the life of my dreams if I uh, am not, you know, somehow being supported because of this? Which was all a bunch of nonsense, but uh, that those are the the beliefs that I had at the time and the things that I felt and um, and eventually that all turned around and you know I just had like a moment of all right I'm ready like I and and really it was a dramatic shift of energy of you know I spent two months processing and here I sit on the other side of it and and I've reconciled it and I know that I am strong enough to not need all of that all the bullshit excuses and and all of the the ways that I had told this story in my head I didn't need that story and I and I just let it go and really it was just a matter of seeing it making the choice to let it go and saying all right bye yeah thank you so much for sharing that I find it so interesting you know seeing how when you are born with something and then now it's almost being taken away, I guess you'd say, of how much that can really affect you. And so I really appreciate you sharing that with me because to be honest, being an outsider, I don't think I would have thought of it that way. And so it's really interesting to see your experience and how, you know, that was a part of your identity, even though it doesn't necessarily mean that you were always like, oh, yay, I had a seizure. You know, it's not like you were... (laughs) excited quite quite the opposite (laughs) exactly but at the same time you still identified with it so it's like who am I going to become now if I don't have that anymore and so I'm really happy that you shared that because I'm sure people can resonate with that to so many things in life you know even talking to that victim mentality and how I feel like it makes me think of people who are also in abusive relationships maybe, you know, they start to have that as a part of their identity and they're like, but who am I without them? Or who am I without this situation in my life? And so I find it so powerful to talk to that and, you know, you opening it up and sharing the fact that it is a process and it could take some time to feel the emotions that you're feeling around it, process it, and then eventually be able to, I guess you'd say, let it go and, and move on to that next version of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and to, to talk about like the relationship of abusive relationships and, and other disabilities and other things that you may have chosen, um, as we were talking about earlier, the human mind doesn't seek ease or joy, it seeks comfort. Mm. And for me, having seizures was my comfort zone. Um, as, as crazy as that was, as much as I wish that weren't true, it was, it was my comfort zone. Um, one of many, you know, at, I, would, I would face down many other comfort zones before I ever got to this point, but the seizures were one of them and they were a big one and abusive relationships work the same way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I teach people now about the five levels of attachment, Don Jose Ruiz. The five levels of attachment being everything, you know, the more and more attached you get to a thing outside of your true authentic self. So, you know, you've got your true authentic self, preference, and then identity and internalization and fanaticism. 
And all of these things are ways that we attach external things to us and then allow ourselves to believe that they are us. So even identities like I am a woman or I am a wife or a mother, these are attachments that we hold to ourselves that are not completely true, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, that I feel like I remember hearing, um, maybe it was even Deepak Chopra talking something similar to this that was just like resonating with me. I feel like a, a podcast or something I listened to of him that just kind of like triggered in my mind. So that's interesting that you brought that up too about identities and even thinking about the things that we do identify as and maybe, you know, how we can shift our perspective and with some of that too. Yeah, absolutely. When you identify as something, you do the things you believe you are. Mm -hmm. So if you believe you are a mother, you do mother things, whatever your brain has convinced you are mother things. You know, if you believe you are a disabled person, you do disabled things. Mm -hmm. And it sounds, you know, I'm phrasing it in a way that's a bit ridiculous, but the, the truth is, is we all have attachments. We all are have a sense of identity. You know, mine today includes being a coach and healer, a snowboarder. Um, We all have those things and we can, the important part isn't that we get rid of them. It's that we choose them consciously so that they're serving us with where we want to go. Mm -hmm. Yes, definitely. I love that. This whole episode has just been so like mind blowing almost to me. (laughs) I've got some tingles for sure, Kaylin. <laughs> I love it. And so now I'd love to also talk to the fact of like, how do you feel like living in these uncomfortable moments in your life? How do you feel like that has helped you help your clients? So um, I wrote down a few notes for myself for this one, because I, I love this question. Uh, and I, and I really want to give it a few different levels. So the first, the first answer is that all of these uncomfortable moments, they have helped to give me what I would call a type of unshakable confidence in myself, right? Uh, for me, like whether, whether it was homelessness or hypothermia or being flipped in a raft in a class five rapid, um, I, I have faced down a whole bunch of my worst case scenarios and come out on the other end fine. Uh, this, this level of insanity, <laughs> this level of insanity in my own life has really given me um, a, a way of facing down fear. And fear is what what gets in the way of action, especially righteous action. Um, so so for me, knowing that like my absolute worst case scenarios, I'm fine. You know, if you toss me into the woods alone and naked, like I'm pretty damn sure I'm gonna be just fine. Uh, and that one that one thing, that truth for within me, has helped me help other people. Um, but the other ways that it has really sort of catered to me, uh, catered to my business, I guess is what I want to say is the other ways that it's catered to my business is by allowing me to be deeply, deeply present 
and to be able to hear the story of someone else and see the bigger picture in that story. So one of my main modalities is neurolinguistic programming. And neurolinguistic programming is all about understanding how the stories we tell ourselves shape our lives. I have, you know, the story that I've told you today, I didn't always tell it this way, right? Um, there, there were points in my life where I told it from a much bleaker perspective, that's for sure. <laughs> and, and because of, you know, having lived through all of this, expanded, grown some of the themes that we've had today, I, I feel like I'm able to hold space for a huge amount of stories from other people and, and be able to see the grandness of that human inside of their stories. Um, and that's, that alone is, is a powerful transformative process. Mm -hmm. I had one more, one more little bit on this, which is, um, I just wrote down the words breath and presence. Um, the, the experience, especially of enduring a great amount of discomfort at one time has taught me how to be in my body, to listen to my body, to be deeply present with my own intuition and to allow all of those, all of those things that we doubt exist, all those like superpowers and geniuses and, and magical abilities to allow all those things to rise out to the forefront. Um, when, I, when I work with clients, one of the first things that I give them is that same experience of breath and presence, staying with the breath, that, that thing that tells you that you're alive and tuning in alive and wild to all of your five senses to get curious and, and access information that your brain's been filtering out because you've been thinking about what's for dinner or what you did last night. Mm -hmm. And that is so, that's something that I have learned myself that is so important to, you know, even just take the time to be alone with your thoughts and, you know, be present in the moment versus constantly daydreaming about something else or checking something off your to-do list or, you know, like answering this phone call, email, text, like going on social media, like all these things it's so important to be able to also take the time, even if it's going for a walk in nature and just be present in nature, even if it's just outside of your house for like 10 minutes, you know, then all of a sudden all these powerful, helpful thoughts start coming to me because I'm not distracted anymore. And so I find that so important. And that's something that I'm still constantly working on, but I find it to be so important for everybody to try at least. Absolutely. I am. I couldn't be more with you on that one. It's crucial. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I think we could all use that extra little push and shove to <laughs> be more alone and present too. Yeah. And I'd love to even talk to, you know, this past year and how it has really affected you as well, because, you know, with the pandemic and being, whether it's lockdown or even just being home and taking everything online for me, looking at you and your past experience with traveling and like even 
being off the grid and things like that. And then now you're virtual, you know, and you're helping clients online and you're taking everything online and you're inside your house. <laughs> it seems like a, a really big shift. And so I'd love to hear a little bit more about like how that has affected you and how you were maybe even over be, you were able to, I guess you'd say overcome it in a sense. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot here actually. So, uh, which I didn't necessarily realize until, until listening to you ask that question. Um, well, so I think the, the first thing I, I want to say is my business has changed like night and day. Right. Um, I think, I think most of us, uh, that's true for with COVID for me, I had started life coaching only about a year a year and three months-ish before the lockdown, the first lockdown in March. Um, and at that point in time, my, I, had, I had several clients and my business was based in nature. Uh, so I, I literally, like I didn't meet with people in offices or anything like that. I was in uh, just taking people out on hikes. And I had lots of um, I had lots of routines I enjoyed using, like making people get barefoot or lay on the earth. And uh, we would we would do you know I'm an energy healer as well, so we would do like energy healing sessions with you know with a tree and <laughs> get in, engaged in these different ways. Um, and now, what my business looks like is although I have just started working with a couple more clients in person again. 98% of my business happens in Zoom uh, on, on a phone, actually on a cell phone, which is what I'm on right now, and on a laptop. Uh, I, so the, the first way that, you know, me and my life has served me is like when COVID hit, all of that all of that survival situation training that I have, which is, you know, I'm a wilderness first responder. Um, you know, I've been trained in things like swift water rescue and search and rescue. I've spent a lot of time in my own survival modes in homelessness and things like that on the verge of death and then going, God, you know, what, what can I do now? Uh, how, how, can I, how can I change this situation to get out of it and make something good out of it? And when COVID hit, I did the same thing. You know, I was like, I, I didn't do it right away because I thought our lockdown was going to be done in two weeks, like everyone else did. <laughs> so, so I, I spent two weeks like giving myself a personal vacation, <laughs> and, then, and then when I realized that thing, you know, this wasn't it wasn't going to be two weeks. It might be at that time I was like, this might be as much as six months. Um, I was I pivoted. And, and I was like, well, what can I do with the resources that I have with these new rules? They say that, you know, creativity happens best inside of a box. Um, that when you like, like, it's so much easier to uh, write a story with some prompts and parameters, right? Uh, we like, we like using different coloring book guidelines for this reason, because you can have so much freedom that shows up inside of the box of certain parameters. And to me, that's very much how I see the COVID-19 lockdown. It's like, oh, look, a box to start to get creative with how I can use it. Mm. Um, 
I, I have shifted. I work, I work on a phone and on a computer. I've learned marketing and website design and a little bit about graphic design as well. Um, and I've tried to take my basic premise of being a human into, into my business. So I feel like I've managed to cultivate like some incredibly deep connections and a more powerful sense of community than I've had most of my life on zoom and on the internet which is crazy if you had told the me of five years ago that that was true i would have laughed at you i didn't own a cell phone then let alone a smartphone i did not have cell phone service in the town that i lived in and i had internet that i would access like a couple of hours a week <laughs> now i I've created a whole different kind of freedom where I can't go live in those off-grid places completely anymore. But anywhere with a cell phone signal, I can pretty much like change lives, make money and survive in. It's been a trip. Um, it's, it's definitely been another, another way of reconciling those attachments, right? Because I had been very much attached to being an outdoor person, uh, off-grid person, and I've had to let those things go. And just like just like letting epilepsy go, I've watched myself get bigger for it, uh, not not smaller. I some of those things that I had previously deeply rejected, which included like having a smartphone. Those things have been honestly major benefits to my life and either way being able to take it or leave it not just leave it mm. has allowed me to be a bigger person with more options in front of me i love how you mention all that because it it shows you know a different way of growing too and showing that you know just because you were one sort of way at some point of your life doesn't mean that you have to also be that way for the rest of your life. You can change, you can grow, you can shift. And so I find that really important because as soon as something doesn't feel aligned with you, right, then you should be able to recognize that and be able to think and say, okay, well, this doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel aligned. What can I do to make it feel more aligned with who I am now? And I think that's really important. What That's a knack awesome. you have for pulling out the lessons, Caitlin. I'm really deeply, I'm deeply impressed with your ability to take these beautiful lessons out of this conversational um, format. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks so much. I've never been told that before, so I really appreciate it. <laughs> That's awesome. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about, you know, what do you plan on doing from here? Like, do you have any sort of goals that you're hoping to reach or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. So um, right now, the truth is, as much as my business is taking off, uh, I'm in the a fledgling stage. So 2021 is the start of my wait list, which is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And I am looking to pivot into I'm working on some group courses that are that are happening like online on webinars, workshops, especially participation based workshops. So not videos that you're just watching on the internet, but actually engaging with a group and community context. And I'm doing that to work towards a bigger end goal, which for me um, is, is a rewilding school. So I call what I do rewilding, um, you know, getting people back to their natural, their most like wild free natural selves through removing all these layers of attachments and nonsense. 
and I would like to eventually, you know, like COVID, COVID era shutting down um, style, uh, I would like to start a school, a physical, or not so much a school exactly as like a retreat center that is holding longer, longer sessions of, of school and education. I already find myself working with and helping train other healers and, and light workers and service workers. I would really like to take this into a beautiful natural acreage where I'm able to involve the incredible wilderness skills and the, the natural healing ability of mother nature into the other parts that I'm doing, which is working with the body and the unconscious mind, right? Mm. Uh, so I really have a powerful vision of that. That isn't for this year. No, probably not. But that's what it's going towards. Ooh, I love it. That sounds so awesome. I'm excited to hear more and see that all happen. That's so cool. Yeah, me too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> And I'd love to also ask this too, if you were to look back on when you first started your business, what kind of advice would you give yourself? I wrote this one down too. So <laughs> what's funny about this for me is the advice that I would give myself, you know, two and a half years ago is pretty much the same as the advice that I'm giving myself today. <laughs> um, and I say that sort of as part confession, uh, but also probably because it's good advice because mm -hmm. I, I took, I, I could have taken more of it than I'm taking it already. And I have no doubt that I could take more of it. So I have two things that come up big and loud and clear. And one of those is about that. It's about owning your personal power. So there's this part of yourself, myself at least. And, and I think all of us that is like deep within it's primal and it's kind of terrifying. Like, part of you is scared of that part of yourself, that's the part you should be screaming from the rooftops. Mm. Like if, if you did nothing else on your journey, except for so fully embody that part of yourself that you're terrified of, you would make dramatic impact in the world because that's vulnerability and power together. Mm. The other piece of advice that I have for myself back then, uh, especially back then, uh, is own your woo-woo. <laughs> so a lot of what I do in life, man, it can come across sounding like crazy talk, right? If you aren't familiar uh, with, with Eastern philosophies, with, with the energy movement, chakras, talking about, you know, the, the theta and crystalline healing bodies and these sorts of things, it sounds crazy. And when I first started working with people, I was afraid to use this. You know, I fell on my foundation of neurology and I would speak only to neurology and was really afraid to be speaking of the magic. Mm. But the truth is, is that the magic, that's where the real change happens is owning and believing and allowing yourself to believe in that powerful magic that exists within all of us human beings and connects us to each other. Mm -hmm. So my process of owning my inner mystic and allowing myself to speak on that more spiritual and energetic level, heck yeah, that's where the world's going. That's what's going to create dramatic change. And it's also what I really believe in. It's what I'm passionate about. Yeah. I love that. So, you know, almost going back to like not holding back, you know, be your full self, let it shine and show the world because otherwise if you're holding back you could also be 
you know, almost you're, you're not letting your, your whole self show to someone else. And instead you're not giving them everything that they even deserve to have from you. Well said, well said. And you know, those parts of you that, that you feel feel fearful of or fearful of the response of others for Mm -hmm. that's your rebellious leader, you know, and that rebellious leader, that's what we need in this world. We need people willing to say things a different way and stand up against the possible flagellation you're going to receive for it. Mm -hmm. Um, The moment that you start offending people, speaking your truth, you're probably on the right track. Mm, Yes, that is so true. That is very true. I need to remind myself these things also. (laughs) And now, of course, I love asking this question as well, since the whole idea of the podcast is about getting out of your comfort zone. So no matter what situation happens, no matter if it's something small or large, how do you usually push yourself to get out of your comfort zone? So um, the way that I would phrase this is lean into the fear. So what I mean by that is those, those places, you know, in your comfort zone exists in every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're doing yoga, well, there's a comfort zone there and there's a place that it gets uncomfortable and your brain feels a little bit of fear lean into that and push into that. Uh, It doesn't have to be getting out of your comfort zone, doesn't have to be becoming homeless and going just, you know, joining the circus. Uh, Getting out of your comfort zone can really be about pushing the edge every day, Uh, just a little bit here, just a little bit there, giving yourself permission to experience that fear and lean into it, just a touch. For me personally, I, I invoke my own breath and a deep sense of curious, curiosity in my present moment, right? So just really going, you know, where could I get bigger here? Where could I lean in a little bit more? Uh, and I might also add pairing that with some radical forgiveness for the moments that you don't, because <laughs> um, because when you don't lean into fear, if you then apply shame to that, if you're then like, oh, I should have done that. Ah, what a bunch of nonsense. Don't tell yourself that story. You're just going to make it harder to step into fear the next time. Uh, let, let, yourself, let yourself do it where you can, where you feel safe, uh, safe enough to push it. And if you don't, forgive yourself. Yeah. I love that. I love that you added that last part on there too, because I I think that's really important for people to hear. That's awesome. And now, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that maybe we didn't get to today at all? No, I'm feeling beautifully, beautifully complete, Caitlin. This has been um, ecstatic, really. Awesome. Good. I'm so happy to hear that. And now before we get into the fast five, where can everybody find you? So um, I have a website, www.withsari.com. That's S-A-R-Y. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram under the same names, with Sari. And that is really, right now, like my private messages on Facebook are really the main way that I connect with people. So 
go for it. Perfect. Awesome. And now, so we're going to get into the fast five, which is where I'm just going to ask you a question and you can answer with either a word or a phrase that first comes to mind. Okay. All right. So the first question is, what is the first thing you think of when you hear the word growth? Mm, I, what I actually, oh, it's not a word or a phrase. It was a vision. It was an image. Um, it was an, it was an image of like the inter, the inter, it was like a DMT field, the interconnectedness of all human beings. So I really was seeing like molecular energetic travel between different humans and how I already am the whole universe. Uh, I already am. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And so for the second question is what or who inspires you? Mm, I have, I have lots of inspiration. The first, the first one that comes to mind is my, my partner, Ryan. Um, He has been just as, you know, owning his own story and doing his own thing. He's been a very personal inspiration for me and continues to be every day. Um, but I, I have other people that come to mind right away that are like people you could go read their books. Um, Rich Litvin is, is one of them. Rich Litvin really um, helped give me permission to bail on the sales and marketing side of a business mm. uh, and just own the service-based intentions that I had. Um, and then the other one is Carolyn Elliott. Carolyn Elliott runs a group called Wealth that I'm a part of. Uh, she is like the full embodiment of like daring brazen witch and she shows up and she's silly and she's sexy and she's serious all at the same time because she's not afraid to be totally fully integrated um, and speaking a loud and powerful truth which offends some people she's doing it every day mm-hmm. and I'm deeply inspired by that. That's awesome. I love that. Thanks for sharing, especially when people bring, I feel like personal connections and then also, you know, ones that others can also look to as well and see if it could be a good fit for them too. So thank you for sharing. Yeah. And what is a hobby that you have outside of your business? Well, um, I would normally say snowboarding, but I have been, uh, I, I had hip surgery two months ago. Um, so I've been AWOL on snowboarding. So instead, uh, riding riding my bike has become the main source of inspiration. Um, mountain biking and getting into nature with it is the goal that I'm working on right now, but it's a recovery process. So <laughs> Awesome. Very cool. And then as a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I was in third grade and asked that question, I told my third grade teacher that I wanted to be president. I remember this because when she handed back the the worksheet, she leaned down next to me and she patted me on the shoulder and she said, you go girl. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. That is so awesome. (laughs) I, I wanted to be a writer and an artist. Uh, and I would say that I am still both of those things. Yeah, definitely. Well, as you say that too, with writing, 
my a thought that came to me while we were recording is the fact that I feel like I'm sure people have said this to you, but that you should write about your story in a book. I feel like yes. it would be an amazing book. <laughs> I, as you can tell, it's still a pretty messy story, but I actually am actively working on turning it into something cohesive to be able to do that. And that's part of why I'm doing this podcast, Caitlin. So you nailed it. Yeah. Awesome. Ooh, perfect. <laughs> And then I love asking this last question because of being a photographer. So if you could capture one specific moment that represents your life through photograph, what would it be? It feels kind of cheesy, but a, a picture of, of a giant redwood tree angled up towards the night sky with some aurora borealis around it. Ooh, ooh, I love that. I, that Full makes me of, like. Uh, I just want to. I want to take that picture. <laughs> like, can I be the one that captures it for you? <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. I love that. That is so awesome. Well, this conversation has been so amazing. Thank you so much for being vulnerable, opening up, sharing. I know that you're going to inspire so many people and I'm so happy that you said yes to recording with me. Me too. This has been really, really lovely, Milady. Thank you so much for holding this space and, and creating it with such skill. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks again for listening to the Inspired by Her Story podcast. I hope you found some inspiration, motivation, encouragement, and empowerment to get you out of your comfort zone and live your life to the fullest. Make sure to follow, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts and follow the podcast at Inspired by Her Story on Instagram. Follow my brand photography on Instagram at Caitlin Casso Creations and come along with me during my travels at Caitlin Casso. Go ahead and share the podcast with a friend and take these stories with you to make the changes in your life that you've been looking for. Stay tuned for the next Inspired by Her Story episode.